Welcome to Stepping Off Now, a podcast about how to live your creative best life. If you're feeling creatively stuck, burned out, or like you're not fulfilling your true creative potential, this podcast is for you. I'm Kendra, a social scientist and writer. I spent decades feeling creatively unfulfilled while I pursued conventional life goals, culminating in severe burnout that took years to recover from. This podcast chronicles my journey in real time as I find my way home to my essential creative self and seek to live my own creative best life. I discuss topics like harnessing the intuitive creative process, using creativity to manage mental health, and sorting through all the external pressures and expectations to figure out what you really want. My hope is that you'll find inspiration and solace here. You are not alone and you are stronger and wiser than you know. You can find out more by visiting my website, KendraPatterson.com. Now, on to the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Stepping Off Now podcast. I'm Kendra. Before I start in today, I just wanted to make an announcement. I also mentioned this in last week's podcast, but I will be going on my first vacation in four years next week. And I'm going to make it a true vacation and not worry about releasing any podcast episode next Friday. You will probably hear from me again two Fridays from today. I do get back that week, though, so no telling how I'll feel (laughs) uh, right after returning from the trip. But it is my plan to do some kind of episode for that Friday. But I will be skipping next Friday. I'm very excited to take this vacation, but also a little anxious Traveling is stressful, as we all know, but I will be flying out of a non-commercial terminal down in Fort Lauderdale, which is always an interesting experience because you don't have to go through all of the rigmarole around security that you experience in the regular commercial airport. So that certainly lessens the stress a lot. But adding to the stress is that I'll be flying one of those teeny tiny little planes with six seats in it. And of course, no bathroom, no in-flight snacks or anything like that. So yeah, anyway, it should be fun. And I will be posting photos, hopefully on my Instagram, if you're interested in seeing what a Bahamian out island looks like. So in other words, not one of the major tourist destinations down in the Bahamas. I'll be posting some photos of the wild beauty and just gorgeous water that they have down there. I'll put a link in the show notes to my Instagram if you feel like following me. Something I've been thinking about a lot lately that is helping me deal with these tumultuous times that we live in. I talked a little bit about this at the beginning of last week's episode as well. These are stressful times for all of us for any number of reasons, but the state of the world seems kind of not awesome right now. I've been thinking about how much our expectations around each other's behavior informs our perspectives of the human mess. I'm one of those people who feels like humans have always been messy, that we are behaving in ways that aren't that different from how we've always behaved. And I mean this in a general sense when you look at people's behavior online or if you look at the behavior of our politicians, uh, this kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm talking in a broad sense 
in terms of human behavior here. I think humans have always humaned, and that while the means through which they human may change over time, the essential nature of human beings is no worse or better than any other time. And yet, we persist in feeling the sense of disappointment when we view humans acting badly or not up to idealistic standards we have for human behavior. We want people to be smarter. We want them to be more moral. We want them to be more compassionate. We want them to be less selfish. And yet, they persist in being (laughs) all of those things, immoral, selfish, violent, disgusting. And every time we mourn as if something real has been lost, as if our expectations for humanity were ever realistic. And I don't mean that human beings can't act in beautiful ways. Obviously, they do, and we see that every day. But it seems that we never grow tired of castigating each other for not living up to these unrealistic expectations we have for human behavior. I wanted to discuss this subject in light of the ostensibly disastrous performance by Frank Ocean at the recent Coachella Music Festival and the advent of AI and how we've tipped over seemingly overnight, as I said in last week's episode, into the age of AI and recently a viral hit by Drake in the Weekend, which was actually composed by AI made headlines. So it was an AI-composed and performed song that sounded like it was Drake and The Weeknd, two music artists. I used a number of sources for putting this episode together, and I will link to them in the show notes, but they include an article in GQ, an article in The Ringer, and an episode of one of my favorite podcasts, Switched on Pop, about this recent song that was released called Heart on My Sleeve by Drake in the Weekend. I would highly recommend listening to that episode if you're interested in seeing in real time someone create music using the voices of well-known musicians and how easy that actually is using AI tools that are available to anyone. Many people, many artists and creatives are wondering what this means to art. And I've talked about this a couple times over the last few months. I'm not sure I believe that it means the end of art or the end of human-created art, but I particularly believe that because for me, art is really about process, it's not about product. But I'm also wondering if the advent of AI and AI-generated art signals an era where we can, as artists and creatives, really embrace the messiness of our humanity and let go of these expectations we have to be perfect or to have something to show or even to be excellent. I wonder if the chaos of the human experience can become the new art or if it has something to say to us about what art is really about, that maybe art isn't about these slick packaged products that we have come to expect. Frank Ocean's performance at Coachella, if you want to call it that, (laughs) performance, 
there are questions about whether or not it qualifies. I think aptly demonstrates what I'm talking about here. Now, I haven't seen the performance myself, but I have read some analyses of it. And these are the articles that I will be linking in the show notes. A facile interpretation of this disaster of a performance in which he kind of stumbled around and sang a couple bars here and there, seemingly forgot words, interjected with exposition about what was actually happening on stage at one point, actually saying, this is chaotic, interrupting the set with a 12-minute performance by a French DJ not playing Frank Ocean's music, coming back to lip sync (laughs) some of his own songs, and then having the set cut short because he was an hour late getting onto stage and he exceeded curfew and they cut him off. On the surface of it, yes, a complete disaster. So much so that Frank Ocean canceled his second appearance at Coachella. But something that these two articles I'm going to link to have in common is that they don't fall back on that kind of facile interpretation of what this set meant in terms of Frank Ocean and his own struggles and in terms of the relationship between creative process, live performance, and this new world of AI. One article talks about how this set by Frank Ocean at Coachella was actually a type of mourning. Frank Ocean was first meant to perform at Coachella in 2020, but that was canceled because of the pandemic. Well, that same year, his brother, younger brother, who was 18 years old, died in a car accident. And Frank Ocean is clearly still in deep mourning for his brother. And he mentioned this during the set, the set at Coachella. He also has a history of inconsistent output and performance. So this is a person who struggles just normally with mental health issues, performance anxiety. And those two things combined were really what was on display during the set. In other words, what people in the audience witnessed was something entirely human. And it was chaotic to the point where it rose above the level of what can be manufactured. That is to say, it was an artful chaos, but it was chaos of the kind that can only arise spontaneously in the moment as a human being falters and grapples with the stuff of a human life. The other article looks at the performance as an antidote to the increasingly algorithmic and AI-generated world. Other performers at Coachella included Bad Bunny from Puerto Rico and the girl group Blackpink from South Korea. And both of those performances were apparently excellent. Definitely what Coachella goers would have been expecting and would feel very satisfied and gratified to experience. They got what they went there for, in other words, with Bad Bunny and Blackpink. I've long been fascinated by Blackpink. I wouldn't say that I'm all that interested in their music, but I have done a deep dive on the band because they come out of this very particular 
Korean music industry phenomenon of creating from the ground up group bands like this who basically imitate the styles of other music and they're highly packaged, very slick candy pop bands that are manufactured to please the fans. So they're not really creative products, these bands, although the individual members may be creatives or artists, but really what they are are performers. And they train in these specialized schools from a very young age to become parts of these groups. And many don't make it. Many train and train and train for years and are not chosen to be part of one of these bands. Uh, Suicides in the K-pop world have been getting a lot of headlines lately. There was one just a week or so ago, another one. So the pressures on these young people are immense. Uh, Usually they have spent decades away from their families training to become famous. This is what this article has to say about Blackpink. And this is the one in the ringer. It was written by Jeff Weiss. And he's talking about their performance at Coachella. Blackpink came as close as anyone will to answering the following question. What if the Spice Girls had been spawned in the mid-2010s by a vertically integrated consulting firm? There is something hypnotically transfixing about them, as if every visual, graphic, dance shimmy, and autocorrected note has been focus-grouped to ensure maximum fun. And that is in capital letters, maximum fun. There is not a single original idea, but it is an immaculate synthesis. They can precisely match the sum of all previous human creativity, but cannot provide a note more. An amazing analysis, right? He goes on to say, It's easy to cast Blackpink as merely the latest teen pop sensation, which, to be fair, is true. But in an age of rigorous analytics and unseen calculating formulas that feed on what is most highly packaged and processed, it's hard not to see them as one of the first acts of a new era. This is as good as AI will get, and that in and of itself is terrifying. So what he's saying is that Blackpink is essentially like AI. I mean, if AI is going to create something, it's going to be in line with what Blackpink is doing, something that's calculated to be delicious to your music listening taste buds and not challenging, right? So something that immediately is going to be a hit. But as he points out, this isn't really creativity. It's merely repackaging what has gone before. It's creating entertainment. And what we see with Frank Ocean and his set is sort of the reverse side of the tapestry of the creative process, which interestingly enough was part of the theme of his stage show. There was an aperture between these jumbotron screens on the stage where you could see into the backstage and the hanging wires and the inner workings of what that looks like back there. So yeah, maybe Frank Ocean choked that night, and he certainly has a history of these inconsistent performances, but also maybe that was partly his point, that this is what his creative process looks like, this stop and start, this interspersing his own stuff with the influences of other music, this chaos, as he called it, 
the doubts and insecurities on display, the way he changed his mind throughout the performance as to why he was there, what he was doing. Was this a performance? Was this an act of mourning? Did he cave to the pressure of celebrity or did he rise to the challenge and fail? And maybe that question you're left with, what did we actually see here tonight? What was that? Maybe that is a question that can inform an evolving vision of art in the age of AI that takes us closer to art as process than art as product. This isn't to say that we can't also enjoy art as product. I'm definitely not trashing Blackpink, nor would it matter if I did, because they are (laughs) deeply popular and uh, one of the first Korean K-pop groups to really break onto the world stage and headline at a festival like Coachella. What I'm saying is that we need to make room for a different face of art, the face of the trickster, of chaos, of the inconsistencies that are inherent in the creative process, where even when you do show up every day, some days are just shit. That doesn't mean that that day is a failure. It doesn't mean that that day is lost or that the work you did on that day doesn't have value because it's all part of the creative process. And while I don't know if I believe that there was any kind of mysterious and grand plan behind the ostensible failure of Frank Ocean's set, at the same time, it does seem to have some inherent wisdom in it about accepting the human mess, and our need to stop expecting perfection or even success on the part of our heroes. Most of the people in the audience for his set were undoubtedly disappointed. They had gone expecting something. It wasn't delivered. But they lost out at a chance of seeing Frank Ocean in all his humanity for what he truly is. He's a struggling artist. He's a brother in mourning. He's a human being. Contrast that to Blackpink, the K-pop group who, if they're human beings, it's kept behind the scenes and under wraps. K-pop band members or group members aren't even allowed to have public romances. Every trace of their individuality and humanity is obliterated behind this K-pop machine that keeps pumping out groups and feeding off the talent of these young people. There is something monstrous about that in contrast to the monstrous chaos of Frank Ocean's set. It almost makes me wish I had been in the audience at Coachella to see Frank Ocean, even though music festivals are decidedly not my scene. (laughs) And I would have experienced a tremendous and probably debilitating empathetic embarrassment on his behalf. It really does make me rethink my perspective on live performance, which is something I struggle to enjoy because I'm actually always tense and anxious waiting for the mistakes to happen. Maybe there can be brilliance in mistakes. Maybe those are the seeds of creativity. And maybe for the individual artist, those moments of rupture are what define their humanity in all of its specific originality and universality. 
I want to close by talking about one other moment of performance disaster. And this comes from season two, episode two of Mythic Quest. It's a show you can find on Apple TV or Apple Plus. Mythic Quest is about a gaming company. And one of the designers at this company is a woman named Poppy Lee. Poppy Lee is asked to speak at a women in gaming luncheon. And when she gets up on stage to make her speech, she totally chokes. This is, again, like Frank Ocean's set, a moment where you sort of feel like you're seeing through the performance and the product straight into that reverse side of the tapestry or the inner workings or the process of creation. The speech is seemingly a disaster from beginning to end. She can't really see the teleprompter, tries to find her glasses in her purse, drops a whole bunch of candy all over that rolls all over the stage from her purse, begins rambling, and says something along the lines of, I can't promise that I'm always going to live up to the standard of other people's expectations, but I can promise that I'm going to lead with everything that I am. Why did you let me do this speech? I shouldn't have a platform. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what women want. I don't know what I want. And I think right there you have it. Probably the same somewhat existential questions that Frank Ocean was grappling with and that we all grapple with. That ultimately we all realize that we're only fallible humans and we won't ever be able to live up to the high expectations we hold for ourselves that we hold for others. And that maybe what we should actually be doing is holding space for our own humanness and that of others. Maybe it's okay to spell things wrong in text messages. And maybe it's okay to not know what to say, to not have answers, to not have a perfect product, to mostly fail, to sometimes have a bad day and be mean, to not have an opinion, to care more about what's going on in our own little small lives than what's happening on the global stage, to doubt ourselves and feature that (laughs) rather than try to hide it, to make messing up more of a goal than something to be avoided. And importantly, on the other side of things, to not hold others up as paragons and make them our gods, to not seek out so much these experiences of passive entertainment that we get from groups like Blackpink, where all vestiges of humanity are obliterated. I think there can be room for all of this, actually. Music like Blackpink, AI-generated stuff. And I like to think that there can be room for us more messy types, like Frank Ocean, and that we do have something of value to offer the world that's inherent in that, that chaotic messiness through sharing our process. That's where I'm going to leave things for this episode, one of my more philosophical ones. Please share my podcast with anyone you think may enjoy it or need to hear what I have to say. I'll see you back here in two weeks. Bye.